You're listening to Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast. The podcast with the highest number of floaty heads references on the internet. episode of Just One of the Guys, Green Lantern Podcast, hosted by me, Sean Ingle. If you've been listening over the past few episodes, I'd like to thank you for that. And if this is your first time listening, this podcast is going to be giving reviews of the Green Lantern comics, starting with cover date June 1990 and ending with cover date November 2004. Along the way, I'm going to be covering the Guy Gardner solo series, as well as putting an emphasis on Kyle Rayner, the Green Lantern, when we get to issues 50 and 51 after the Emerald Twilight issue. I'd like to once again thank everyone for downloading the show and listening. I've gotten a lot of downloads this uh, month of February. I'm really getting some good feedback, and I really appreciate all you guys doing it. So to steal a line from another favorite podcast of mine, you're doing it. This week I don't have much in the lines of preamble. Haven't gotten any emails recently, but I've been getting, like I said, I've been getting some good feedback from people, and I'm really jonesing to get into the last part of this story from the first series of issues in the Green Lantern comic. This is the one where it all comes together, and I can't wait to get to it. So, without any further ado, I'm going to pick a few podcast promos from my promo playlist and hopefully stop using alliteration with the letter P in it. And then we will come back to give you the review of Green Lantern number 8. So, stay tuned. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, a great adventure took place. I'm going to regret this. This is ridiculous. Star Tours announces the boarding of the Endor Express, non-stop star speeder service to the moon of Endor. All passengers, please prepare for immediate boarding. No! Cannot get your ship out. <laughs> Lando Calrissian is a positive role model in the realm of science fiction fans. Fuck Lando Calrissian. Star Wars Monthly Mondays. Available the first Monday of every month at twotruefreaks.libson.com. We would be honored if you would join us. Hey kids, comics! Hey Michael! Yes? We have to record a promo for our podcast. I've got one. Read our podcast. Read our podcast. You do know this is an audio medium? Watch our podcast. 
but you can watch podcasts, but not ours, because let's face it, we've got faces for radio. Um, no, wait, I've got it. Give me a second, right? What? Just listen to our podcast. Listen to our podcast. Snap it. It's short, sweet. I'm liking it. It's good. It's great. Not exactly telling people what our podcast's about, though, is it? We read comics. We read comics. That's true. That's good. Liking it. Liking this pitch. Carry on. Right. Talk about comics. We do. We talk about comics. We read comics, and then we talk about them because we can't talk about them before we read them. Excellent. Keep going. And then we sing badly. Yes. Well, badly is purely subjective. But how many other comic book podcasts do you know where people sing? Ages comics. Every Thursday at aplayland.podomatic.com. December 7th, Earth 2, 1941, a world very much like our own, yet slightly different, a date which will live in infamy, a world at war, the United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. Following the Japanese sneak attack on Pearl Harbor, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt brought together the largest group of mystery men ever assembled to battle the Axis powers. Tales of the Justice Society of America presents The All-Star Squadron. The Tales of the Justice Society of America, every Friday at twotruefreaks.libson.com. And with those fine, fine promos for those fine, fine podcasts out of the way, let's get on to the review of Green Lantern number 8. Green Lantern number 8 was cover dated January 1991. Its cover price was $1 US, $1.25 Canada, 50 pence UK. The title of the story was Bringing It All Together. The writer was Gerard Jones, the artist was Pat Broderick, letterer was Albert Guzman, colorist Anthony Tolan, assistant editor Kevin Dooley, and editor Andy Helfer. Same guys, new book. The story begins with a close-up on the bedraggled face of Hal Jordan. Robbed of his ring's power, Hal once again questions why he is a Green Lantern, while a concerned Guy Gardner questions Hal's stoic stance, especially since they are powerless in front of an army of mind-controlled aliens. But Hal isn't without a plan, and as soon as the horde closes in on him, the two lanterns hightail it to a nearby ridge, where the foes are met by Tomar II and the members of the transplanted Zudarians. The Zudarians manage to break the horde's formation with their hovercrafts, but a lucky shot from a shug takes down Tomar's vehicle. Hal rushes to the downed Zudarians' aid, hoping the shug won't call his bluff on him having no power to his ring but the fireball-shooting alien senses something amiss and prepares to blast out Tomar. At the last second, 
a hail of gunfire strikes the head of the lava creature. Jumping all Dukes of Hazard style in their Ford F-150 is Rose and some farmers from Evergreen City, loaded to the brim with shotguns aplenty. Along with the Zudarians, the locals drive the invaders off. Hal checks on Rose as Guy congratulates Hal on his bravery. Knowing that they still have a bigger problem ahead of them, Hal runs toward the fallen guardians to try and determine why they weren't attacking the old-timer en masse. The guardian weakly asks if Hal if the gravity has been held. With that, Hal realizes that while the old-timer is fighting the guardians, he has relinquished his control of the forces keeping the transplanted cities safe, and some of the guardians are trying to maintain those forces. Because the Guardians won't let the denizens of the transplanted cities die, they won't fight the old-timer with all their strength. Guy asks what the plan is, and after some thought, Hal decides they need to get John. Speaking of John, he's recovering from his attack on the Guardians from the last issue, but he can still hear the voice of the old-timer ringing in his head as he tries to shut it out. At the same time, Hal, Guy, and Tomar too are heading towards John's location at the foot of the old timer, near the central battery. Before they can reach their destination, their hovercraft hits a force field, knocking its passengers to the Owen soil. Hal scrambles to find the fallen Guardian to tell him his plan. The Guardians must stop sustaining the planet's gravity and atmosphere. The fallen Guardian says that this could end the lives of all the transplanted people, but Hal convinces him that this is a gamble that they have to take. Fallen Guardian mind links with his comrades as Hal runs full speed toward John Stewart. Reaching the exhausted lantern, Hal pleads with John to tap into the old timer's mind. As John is doing this, the remaining Guardians relinquish their control over the gravity holding the cities on Oa. Amazed that this brethren would allow so many to die, the old timer stretches out to save the transplanted cities and his memories. At that moment, Hal tells John to project an image in the old-timer's mind. An image of total aloneness. With the old-timer distracted, the Guardians retake the power from the broken central battery and fire a blast of energy into his body. As Hal Hulk holds the weakened body of John Stewart, he sees the battered body of the old-timer drop to the surface and fall over, presumably dead. John weakly asks Hal how he did, and as Guy Gardner joins his companions, Hal tells him that he couldn't have done better himself. Cut to a meeting of the remaining Guardians, who have called the three Earth Lanterns to hear what their future will be. Having been away too long doing the cosmic Humpty Hump with the Zamorans, the Guardians feel that it is time to return order to this reality. They will give the task of recruiting new Green Lanterns, rebuilding Oa, and protecting Earth to our heroes. Guy protests, as he is sure that Hal will get the cushy Earth job, but the Guardians say that they will meditate well on their roles. The Guardians hope that rebuilding the core, along with the return of the Zamorans and their children, will bring harmony to the cosmos. Hal, ever the kiss-ass, says that they will be proud to assist him, and the Guardians ask them to leave in order for them to meditate. On a balcony of one of the Zitarian buildings, Guy asks John if he's okay. John says that he's a bit woozy, but with the old-timer's mind link gone, he feels better, like his life has purpose. However, Guy is more concerned that Hal is going to get the Earth Green Lantern job until he realizes that Hal is nowhere to be seen. 
It seems Alice slipped off to check on Rose and Toby, who are busy rebuilding their house. Rose asks Hal when they'll be going back to Earth, but Hal says the Guardians can't do it until the powers of the planet, Oa, are replenished. Disappointed, Rose turns away as Hal asks if there is anything he can do to help. Rose counters by asking Hal who he is. Hal Jordan or Green Lantern? Without hesitation, Hal tells her, I'm both. And with that, Hal walks slowly away, changes into his Green Lantern persona, and bids farewell to his doubts about who he was and who he was trying to be. Okay, folks, this is how you end a story arc. You've got all the Guardians back, you've got the Green Lanterns fighting an amazing fight, you've got all the secondary characters, the Zudarians, the transplanted Earthlings, all coming together to help out in this final battle, and it is just pure fun and awesomeness. This is how you write a good opener to a new comic book series. And a lot of the ideas that get set up in this issue get drawn out along the next few issues, including how going out into space to recruit new Green Lanterns and John having to stay on Oa to try and maintain this vast, spoiler alert, mosaic world. It's going to be awesome. But with that said, let's get on to some uh, notes. We'll go ahead and take a look at the cover. It's a really nice one by Broderick and Nelson with the Mad Guardian standing fist high in the air with the floaty heads of the three Green Lanterns looking all shocked behind him and the what we presume to be dead or at least unconscious bodies of all the fallen Guardians with the sort of green halo-ish smoke coming out of their heads. It's it's a dramatic issue, and it's got floaty heads, so anytime you've got floaty heads on the cover, I'm enjoying it. Page one, we open to a beautifully drawn close-up of Hal Jordan, his face just dripping with sweat, as you know he's doing everything he can to fight uh, the influence of the Mad Guardian. It's a really dynamic panel. Uh, Broderick puts a lot of detail into his artwork, as you can see, with the sort of Uncamped and unshaven, Hal just trying his best to shake off the. Uh, my only nitpick with the art is that because we get such a neat close-up of it, I don't know whether it would be better. But in in the image, Hal's eyes, or at least the close-up of his mask, doesn't show any pupils, and that's kind of off-putting. You've got this just white space where Hal's eyes should be. It works better in long-distance shots, but when you're close up, it would really be a lot nicer to see Hal's pupils. Just an aesthetic thing on my part. Also, another little nitpick on the cover. It looks like Pat Broderick is noted as the artist, A-R-T-I-S, rather than artist. Of course, when you get to reading these things and looking for details, you come with little nitpicks like that, so there you go. Page 2, panel 4, I'm reminded of the scene in Ghostbusters. It's right after the library scene, which kind of goes like this. Okay. The usual stuff isn't working. Okay. I have a plan. I know exactly what to do. Now stay close. Stay close. I know. Do exactly as I say. Get ready. 
really kind of a stupid plan on Hal's part. It's to run away quickly. And I can just see Guy in sort of the Peter Venkman role going, run, that was your big plan, run, way to go, Ray. Page 3, panel 3, you've got some really Star Wars Episode 1 looking ships that the Zudarians are piloting. It's nice sort of silver gleaming type stuff, the kind of stuff that you saw the robots coming out of in in the war scene where they're going to slaughter the Gungans, which I wasn't completely opposed to, but that's for another podcast. Also, the text piece has the Zadarian attack cry of attack in the bracketed parentheses, saying that it's actually being said in the Zadarian's native language. So you that's a nice little touch rather than it being in English, and of course the lantern's rings couldn't translate it at the time. So, kind of a neat little bit of storytelling with the lettering there. Page 5, panel 3. We are the NRA. As we get a shot of the local yokels and rows hanging out the back of this truck, like I said, jumping all Dukes of Hazard style with them hanging out the window and out the back of the truck, shotguns and blasting. It's, it's a goofy image, but God bless the rednecks and their guns. Where else would we be able to find people who would hold off alien lava monsters? Awesome. Page 7, panel 3. We get another Guardian name. And again, I'm not certain if this is the first reference of these Guardian names, but Hal seems to know the guy and seems to be able to tell them apart, even though they're all just blue with the sort of balding, freaky, wild, wide white hair. But this Guardian's name is another really alien one, Pazu Pinder Paul. So, I guess they're just picking, you know, weird alien names out of the pad, and this happens to be another good one. Page 8, panel 2, we get the classic Hal on his knees with his fist, you know, screaming to the sky, you know, the sort of, no pose now that you see in all of the cliched movies it's it's nice to see that that one cliche creeps into this comic as well jumping ahead to page 11 panel 3 uh, we've got a little coloring mistake with one of the guardians that has fallen uh, in panel 2 it's obviously that his robe is colored red and in panel 3 his robe is colored green so just a little minor coloring mistake no biggie Page 14, we get an amazing splash page with the green glowy image of the Mad Guardian's head in the background and the Mad Guardian staring up at the sky as John projects the image of being alone in him to just completely mess with his head. Really good piece of artwork there and really creepy imagery. Page 16, after the Guardians have attacked him, we get the old-timer's death scene, which is really cool as well. You get to see the the shaken body of the beaten old guardian standing in one scene and the next scene you fall, see him falling backwards into the dust of O. It's a, it's a sort of classic, iconic, Sergio Leone, you know, gunfighter goes down scene. It's really awesome in this book. Page 19, panel 6, we get one of the guardians saying, Never again shall we identify our masculine, over-rational spirits with the whole force of the cosmos. When the Zamorans have completed their time of gestation, they will join us here, with our children, and both may have great roles to play. So basically it's saying that when the 
Zamorans and the Guardians were in their alternate dimension making bacon that they had some offspring and those offspring will probably come back with the Zamorans and basically we'll have a bunch of blue-headed space Jesuses out there. Unfortunately, uh, looking at DC's continuity, doesn't look like this ever came to pass and with the new 52, I'm pretty certain that it's probably been shelved and nothing has come of it. So, there you have it. Page 21, panel 5, as Hal's talking to Rose, he gives her the old, I'll come by to see you, Rose, thing. Yeah, I bet a lot of women have heard that line. A lot. And page 22, we get the final splash page of Hal, fist to the side, flying over the Owen sky, looking just completely awesome. Okay, Hal, we get it. This is your book. You're back. You know that you're Green Lantern. You're awesome. But in all honesty, Hal deserves this. This was a great series of books, like I said, that leads up to a really incredible run with the Green Lantern story. I'm glad that I got to cover this, and I am happy with this book. But it's got places to go that are going to be even more fun and exciting over the next couple of weeks, including next week's issue, which I am dying to get to. But let's talk a little bit about the ads. We'll go through some of the ads on this and see what they have to offer. On the front cover, we get an ad for the Nintendo game Arch Rivals. It's a real basket brawl, and we get these sort of punked-out basketball players basically pummeling each other with their fists as they try and play basketball. Now, I never played this on the NES, but I did play this in the arcade, and from what I'm seeing of it, it looks like a pretty good port of the arcade game, which was basically the simple two-on-two basketball, except in order to get the ball away from people, you would end up punching them to take the ball away from them, and you could make you know, half-court shots and everything. It was a fun game, but, you know, uh, looks like a nice port from the arcade. Again, we get the TSR dungeon game with the prerequisite Wesley Crusher-esque nerds being menaced by the horrendous Red Dragon. There's also a full-color buying guide for video and computer entertainment games, including the complete guide to Nintendo video games, with a completely bug-eyed, joystick-holding teenager just wowing over how many video games there are for the Nintendo Entertainment System. And it's kind of odd, you know, if this guy's so into the Nintendo Entertainment System, why in the world is he holding a joystick for the Atari 2600? So, there you have it. Another ad for Street Fighter 2010. We covered this. Not fun at all. Another ad for Rad Racer 2 with Turbo Boost. We covered this. Not very fun at all. Another ad for Great Eastern Conventions. New York, New Haven, Miami, Philadelphia, and Albany. Not very fun at all. Are you sensing a pattern here? I kind of am. Next page, we get a catalog ad for East Coast Comics, which lists a ton of comics that you can buy through them at at discounted prices, and, you know, I'm not going to read through all of them, but it's most of the uh, comics of the time, which we're probably putting a high emphasis on the X-Men runs. We again get the same mishmash ads for Hercules-sized arms, drawings, superheroes, and great teen physique. So, nothing new there. 
same house ad for Ho Ho Ho, Ho No, for all the DC comics that you can buy. And on the back panel we get, Never before has a force of one been so powerful. Introducing Wrath of the Black Manta. And no, it's not the Aquaman villain. It's, of course, a ninja game. Yes, it looks like a crappy Shinobi ripoff, but it did get 4 out of 5 stars for graphics and sound, challenge and theme fun on the power player meter, you know, in the March-April version of Nintendo Power. So, 4 out of 5 stars, guys. Look this game up. And finally, on the back outside cover, we get the Splatterhouse one page, which shows some of the graphics of the game, and they tell you to keep just keep telling yourself, it's only a video game. It's only a video game. And it's pretty apparent that it's only a video game. You know, for the time, the graphics were pretty intricate. You get the guy in the terror mask uh, punching the living crap out of some flying intestine monsters. It's It's bizarre, but it's supposed to be horrifying, and I guess it was for 1990 sensibilities. In the letters pages, we get some nice calls for Guy to be more of a prominent for Guy to have more of a prominent role in the story, and uh, some readers questioning whether Tom Kalamaku or Tom Pieface, not trying to be racist, it's what he was called, is a cousin of Clay, which makes me want to wonder: Was Tom Kalamaku a giant pothead? I guess I'll have to go back and read some of those stories. But that basically wraps it up for this issue or issue sewed of the show. I'd like to remind you guys that if you're not reading these along with me in singles, go pick them up. Uh, I'm not too certain if they're pretty expensive or difficult to find. They should be there. But if you can't find them in singles, definitely go and buy the trade paperback, Green Lantern, The Road Back, you can probably find that at your local comic book shop, or better yet, go to twotruefreaks.libson.com, click the Amazon.com link at the top of their website, go to Amazon.com and buy the comic there. You'll be helping out the podcast, and you'll be helping out some friends of mine. So, until next Friday, where we start on the epic Guy and His Nort storyline, you guys stay safe. We'll see you next week. Bye. You've been listening to Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast, hosted by yours truly, Sean Ingle. All images, stories, and music are copyright the respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This podcast is done solely out of my desire to show the denizens of the internet that comic books could be fun, humorous, compelling, thought-provoking, and exciting, while not having to fall into the weary tropes of the 1990s. I'm not in any way doing this for monetary gain which irritates my wife to no end. All feedback to the show can be sent to the show's Gmail account at justoneoftheguyspodcast at gmail.com. All feedback, positive and negative, is warmly welcomed. All spam bots are warmly welcomed too, as long as your definition of a warm welcome is for them to die horribly in a fire. The website address for the show can be found at justoneoftheguys, all one word, Dot Libsyn, spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N, dot com. There you can find the RSS feed, as well as scans of the covers and whatever else I feel like putting up. 
Look for me on iTunes. Just search for Just One of the Guys Podcast. You can also search for me on Facebook. I mean, you won't find me there, because I don't have an account there. But if you have enough free time to listen to me babble on about funny book characters, you can obviously spare some time to wander around on Facebook. Thanks again for downloading and listening, and come back next Friday for another episode of Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast. The opening song for today's show was Song 2 from Blur, from their self-titled album, Blur. If you'd like to pick this song up, why don't you go through the iTunes, or again, better yet, go through the Amazon.com link at 2TrueFreaks.Libson.com, click on it, head to Amazon.com, and download it from there. With that one little purchase, you'll be doing your part to keep some of the best internet radio shows going strong.